Good morning, and thank you for joining us today in our brand new show, Code Concepts. I am Rachel Patterson with my awesome co-host, Pete. Um, we are here to talk simple code concepts, um, creating better partnerships and being able to enforce in a way um, most people don't. We're happy to have you with us today. Awesome. Cool. Hey, Rachel, how you doing? I'm well, Pete. How are you? And thank you for letting me be your co-host. I love it. Uh, you know, there's a big need for what we're doing. Um, you know, uh, going out all over the place, I tend to see we don't have any standardization in our industry and we really want to make sure we, we have something similar. You understand what I'm saying? So one of the things that I, I think would be good um, is to kind of convey the message that we have in code enforcement. You're in Colorado. I'm in California as I'm representing with my LA. If you see my collection of LA hats back here, that's what I do. I represent and I'm representing code enforcement today. And um, one of the things I really want to want to stress out today, if anybody has questions regarding code enforcement, please uh, put them out in the uh, question in the chat. Just just put them out there and we, you know, we'll be happy to uh, um, answer them for you. So, so one, one of the things, Rachel, that I want to do is um, want to communicate with our code audience and kind of get our stories on how we ended up here in code enforcement. And right. you know, I know I heard your story before, but for those that never listened to uh, how you came about code enforcement and you know, it's a fascinating story and I'd love to hear it again. Awesome. Well, it's certainly not the Cinderella story, but it is the story of how I became a crazy weird code lover. So, um, but uh, working at a local sporting goods store, I had some folks that were my longtime customers. Uh, you know, those people that you just connect with, you find things to special things to hold for them, wait for them to come in next. Um, anyhow, about three years into me working there and them being my loyal, awesome, awesome customers, um, they came to me and told me that they owned a company that did contract code enforcement that they provided to different municipalities um, and different HOAs at the time. Um, had no idea what code enforcement was. And so I said, that's awesome. You know, why on earth would you consider me for a position like that? Um, both, you know, jumped at the opportunity to tell me, you know, in code enforcement, it's not necessarily about what you're enforcing, but really it's about how you enforce um, they told me that my customer service skills were on point and that's what they wanted for their company. Um, so ultimately, I took the dive in going from a manager of a sporting goods store to um, everything code enforcement. And it, I fell in love, eat, breathe, sleep and dream about code enforcement. Um, best part is, you know, creating that quality of life for individuals that can't necessarily create it for themselves or need that help to do so. So that was my, not my Cinderella story, but uh, definitely took me to where I am today, wow. 15 years later, loving it. And now getting to have the opportunity to work on a show like this, Code Concepts, and bringing a simpler way to enforce um, out there, bringing a different mindset um, to how this job can be done. That's awesome, Rachel. How about so you? I have a couple of questions for you because I, I know I know I heard the story before, but I never asked you questions. Okay. And me being of the uh, very inquisitive mindset, you know, I do have to ask the question. So, what, what do you think that that customer service that you had that actually had that um, the owners of that company look at you specifically? I mean, they could have looked at the guy who stocks the shelves or the guy that mops the floor. But what what do you think it was about you that made you a little bit uh, a little bit unique? 
Great question, Pete. So really, you know, I thought about that myself. I'm like, what, what is it about me? No, I think it's really finding a way to connect with people. Um, finding something that you're both necessarily interested in, or maybe one party's not interested, but you find a way to connect. Um, you deliver a service, and, and ultimately, that's where I think I fit into that. Was um, you know, yes, you are delivering a service of providing. In my case, it was um, you know, sporting good services to customers, but you're also um, you know, creating a friendship, creating a lasting partnership because they're going to come back to your business time and time again because there's something unique about you. And I had stated before, um, you know, you find the little things. So their son was a competition swimmer. And so he wore those little teeny Speedos um, in his <laughs> competitions and they had a lot of trouble finding these things. So my position with everything in life is you put forth a little bit of effort for people, especially people that you care about. Um, I was able to find, you know, Speedo, another manufacturer for Speedo that we were able to get um, in touch with and ultimately at that point um, get a partnership with them and start receiving their products. So not only was it good for our business as a whole, um, but it's little things like that that, you know, people see that you you care, you have a little bit more um, something than someone else does, whether that's customer service, whether that's just a heart, compassion, whatever it is. Um, but when you put those together, it, it creates this, honestly. You know, one of the things as a, as a you know, the director of code enforcement, I, you know, one of the things I, I see, there's a, there's a concept called the three C's, the capacity, um, the, the character and the, um, and the capability, you know, and you can teach capability and you can teach, uh, uh, you know, capacity, but you can't teach character. Right. I mean, you know, uh, I, I've met some characters in code enforcement and, you know, I work with some of them and, you know, we were able to kind of change our perception, you know, but coming into a code enforcement field with a good mindset is so important. And if people forget that, you know, our job really depends on being, you know, uh, servants, uh, you know, public servants and stewards of the code. I mean, we, we're the people that have to slap people around with a velvet glove and, you know, <laughs> and, and it's not an easy task and people really forget that, you know, and one of the things that I take pride in, I, I've been doing this for over 17 years. I mean, it's, it's a long time and I've never had an altercation where somebody wanted to hurt me. I mean, I've heard every racist remark out there, you know, as far as me being a uh, Hispanic origin, but I never really had anybody that uh, got really in my face. I got in, in situations where it could have gotten really, really unsavory really fast, sure. but I was able to deescalate and talk, talk to people. And of course, you know, with the officer safety, uh, thing there's always you know that spidey sense that we have and you know as code enforcement officers we have to have that emo uh, emotional intelligence to know when we shouldn't be there or we need to walk away and you know that's something in our code enforcement field that i think lacks and you know getting those spidey senses and being able to you know and 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 communicating with the public you you tend to know that you learn the facial expressions you know what what makes people happy what makes them not happy you know being in the um in the uh, customer service industry with you i'm pretty sure you had some irate uh customers and uh, over some sporting good stuff and yeah i mean you could probably share a story or two right oh most definitely the de-escalation and works in multiple ways in life <laughs> 
you know, and it's always one of those things where people get mad at you for something that was out of your control. So if the paint was chipping and you, you're, you know, you got a complaint that somebody's uh, house is not painted properly and you go out there and it's just, there's more than just paint. It's termite damage. It's, you know, now you see hoarding conditions and, you know, it's not the, you know, it, it quickly escalates and you have to deliver that message in a way where it's a hard job telling somebody, Hey, we got to complain about your uh, chipping paint, but Hey, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a hard transition. So most definitely. And then you ended up, uh, so one of the, so one of the ways that I ended up, um, you know, for, for the audience that don't know this, I ended up meeting Rachel, uh, through Cecilia Muela, who was doing the women leaders, uh, in code enforcement symposium. And, Rachel was recommended by one of our dear friends and said, you need to meet Rachel. Her customer service is off point. I'm like, everybody's customer service is off point. So let's see what, let's see what she has. So um, we interviewed Rachel and we were just like blown away on how, you know, she talks a big game, but she also plays the big game the way she, she does that. And, you know, she's one of those public servants that doesn't say no. I mean, she's here today on her day off doing this. So I, I really appreciate that, Rachel. And, and, and it shows your commitment to just being a community member and, uh, and a member of the profession just in general. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. The, the fact that you're willing to be co-host with me and start this awesome show to talk basic code concepts. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. And I'm so excited. Well, I think today is just basically an introduction of who we are and why we're here and what we're going to do. Oh, here's uh, Mr. Uh, Greg Smith. It says rock star. I don't know who he's talking about. I think he's talking about you, Rachel. Yeah, he's going to say Rachel. <laughs> so thank you, Greg. I, I love that you're online. Thank you yes. for joining us. Thanks, um, please, if you guys have any questions, feel free to chime in. Ask the questions. We're here. I know there's a lot of non-code enforcement people. If you have some gripes about code enforcement, please air them out because you know what? We're here to answer them, the questions so we can better, better educate the public. And so let's go back to your customer service. Um, so how did that, how was that a transferable skills over to code enforcement? You know, kind of what I was saying before, it's it's all about how you talk to people, listening, having that empathy and compassion. So when you're dealing with somebody, you know, say in the sporting goods realm, um, you're listening to them yell at you, you're in your brain, you're thinking of solutions and possible resources and different outcomes for, for whatever the situation is. Well, that transfers to code enforcement as well. You know, we're sitting there, we're listening um, in, a, in almost a therapist fashion. Um, we're listening to what, what are what's ailing these folks? You know, what is um, going on with them? They want to tell us everything typically. Um, and so while you're listening, not only are you compassionately listening to them as you should be, but again, you're thinking of ways to help, ways to bring resolution to this outcome, or excuse me, to, to bring resolution and to get a good outcome. Um, and so those skills, they, they transfer everywhere. Just having that ability to um, connect with folks and showing them um, that you may not understand necessarily what they're going through. Maybe you do, but you may not understand what they're going through, but you're going to listen and you're going to do it with compassion and intent to help solve the situation. And that's, again, that's a skill that's transferred from from everything over to code enforcement really is what I believe. 
and and, and I'll tell you a quick story of on on how my perception changed because I originally came from uh, Long Beach Police, uh, the Long Beach Police Department, and I didn't I didn't make it out of the academy. You know, I was I was injured and I was sidelined, and I was working at the sheriff's substation. And at that point, I realized that being a police officer was probably not in my cards. So you know, so I think everything happens for a reason. Uh, but what I did. You know, when I transferred over to code enforcement, I was a more enforcer type mentality and where I it was more the black and white versus the gray that we have to work in a lot of the times. Because when I first started, I felt like this is in the code. You have to abide by the code. And my approach was on the enforcement side of it. And it wasn't until I got pulled aside and, you know, and I had to remember where I originally found out about code enforcement years ago where how the code enforcement officer treated our family and he was compassionate, caring, gave us time. And I wasn't, I wasn't following that same, same mantra and I should have. And that for me was a, a, an aha moment where I grew and started looking at it. Uh, we're at a person's property and we should be there to help them and changing that enforcement mentality to a servant mentality. So when, when there's a big concept out there called um, uh, the uh, servant mentality, you know, Kelvin, Kelvin Bean teaches a great course on this. And so does Carrie Simpson, who is one of my big, uh, that's one of my rock stars. And uh, she's, she's awesome. And having that servant mentality changes the way you operate. And if you go in an enforcement and as an enforcer, you're always going to set yourself up for antagonizing the, you know, the resident or, you know, making, you know, just making somebody bad in the, in the 20, not, I would say 20 years of customer service that I've been in, I've gotten two complaints and, and one of them wasn't even me. It was a guy that looked like me. <laughs> it wasn't even me, which was funny, but uh, let me see. such a great message for y'all. Oh, look at that. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer is awesome. And we, oh, look who's on the line, Cecilia Muela, our superstar friend. We love Cecilia. But yeah, servant, from Mr. Sturges, too. Uh, yeah. Both yeah, servant, stars. So, <laughs> so servant leadership by far is one of the biggest concept in code enforcement that doesn't really get talked about. And, you know, compassionate code enforcement is so important. I, I can't I can't help but stress that. And I, I think this is a good tone to kick off our uh, this this kind of segue to show, you know, so let me see you have Cecilia saying good morning, y'all. So, OK, so then, so anyway, so with transferables, cause let's go back because we're, we're all over the place. And, you know, so I, I think, you know, going out to the public, even now, like today, you know, you're out there. Uh, teaching kids something can you I know I know we're like running like okay are we gonna be here on time I mean it's like we always have to pivot we're always on the go so right. let me see so what so what were you doing today Rachel uh, so helping run the youth academy for the police department this week so it's been an awesome experience uh, I get to do a little blurb about code enforcement and then help run just the keeping the kiddos in line so that's what I'm doing today and tomorrow it's exciting. And, and one of the, one of the, 
I'm a big marketer guy. You see me on LinkedIn, you see me on Facebook and you know, and uh, it's not because I, I want to be a diva by any, I hate myself on camera. I hate myself on voicemail. I, I really don't like it, but it needs to be done. Yeah. And one of the things that I stress upon our code community is we have to really advocate on what we actually do because people look at code enforcement and they don't take us seriously sometimes. But if you look at it, I, I, I had a discussion with the chief of police in the last jurisdiction I was at. And, and I, always, I always let them know, look, you guys are, you know, you guys take care of the bees. And guess what? We take care of the hive. We're long term. You know, you guys are short term. You know, you, you take some knucklehead into the local jail. Gets out. In California, he's out in like 20 minutes with a, with a slap on the hand. And, and, but we take care of the, of the hive, which means if we have to condemn the house, red tag the house, uh, do a limited entry on the house, that's what we have to do. And we're in the long-term game. So a lot of people don't realize how powerful the building code or zoning code, or even our local municipal code are. And there's so many rules out there. I mean, we have what, how, how big is your municipal code, Rachel? Oh my goodness. Uh, uh, see, we I don't even talk pages anymore. Code, so. Yeah. <laughs> So we, we talk, we talk, uh, we talk, uh, we go, how big is your code? We, we go like this and I'm like, right. <laughs> That's how many codes we can enforce. And, you know, so let me see. So we, we are getting some things we got. Uh, let me see. We got Sonia saying great project. Oh, somebody called me a diva. Who's that? Ceci Moela. <laughs> of course she did. She called me a diva. Yeah. Well, oh, by the way, let's plug me and Ceci show on Tuesdays where we're going <laughs> to be um, showcasing some, uh, some of the uh, national uh, leaders in our industry, managers, directors, uh, city managers, uh, legislators on programs that we have in our communities that maybe other cities would want to replicate or, or do something. But for our show, we keep it simple. We're code concepts, we're code enforcement 101. And you know, one of the things I always tell people is when, when we're doing these concepts, we the thing about code, and I'm going to kind of segue into a little bit of, of the managerial portion is, you know, me as a supervisor, when I would come into a city, I'd have an expectation of staff say, okay, you guys need to do this. I don't understand why you're not doing that. And one day my, my supervisor basically said, Hey, hey hold on there, cowboy. Um, I never realized that they never really had a foundation sure. and and that goes to a lot of code enforcement officers. They, you know, for my training was a, a week's worth of sitting behind a desk, looking at the municipal code and then sending me out with a ride along and, you know, learning how they did code. And then uh, two weeks later, I'm out in the field by myself. Yep, figure and, it out. Right, figure it out. And that really doesn't lay a foundation. So in any job, you can, you can teach a guy like, Hey, build me a, build me a house. You know, if I teach them how to swing a hammer for two weeks and give them a instruction manual, I mean, there's so much more involved. There's plans, there's engineering, you know, there's all sorts of stuff and it needs to be taken very, very seriously. And code enforcement is no different. There's so many things that people don't know about. And, you know, one of the things that I experience is, well, we don't do that in our jurisdiction. I'm like, well, why not? Well, we just don't do it. Well, why? It's in our municipal code. Yeah, we just don't enforce that code. I go, so you enforce this thick number of codes except that one. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. And 
I, I think for these code concepts that we need to kind of go out there and talk about the IPMC and talk about the model codes, the ICC model codes, and talk about organizations that are doing stuff. And, you know, I, I sat on the Florida Association um, conference uh, about two weeks ago, and I learned a lot. I'm like, wow, you guys are a lot different than California. <laughs> yeah, so it, very similar, but very different. And but the one thing I did learn is we all need extra, extra um, practice and extra instruction in order to move ahead. Absolutely. So, and so in, in, in your role as a code enforcement officer, what, what do you find the most challenging uh, being in code enforcement? You know, I know I'm one of those weird ones because when I get a complaint, I'm super excited to get the complaint and figure right? out how to solve <laughs> it. But um, really, it's building those partnerships interagency or even with different entities to make sure that we're providing somewhat of a um, uh, consistent uh, enforcement or at least resources or whatever it's going to be that we're doing. Um, I find that to be a little bit difficult, not, not impossible by any means, because that's something that I spend a great deal of time trying to network, um, gain resources uh, again, so that you can have a better level of enforcement or a better level of um, resolution to the, whatever the, out whatever the outcome it is that you're looking for ultimately. Yeah, it's it is it, it's funny because I don't dread the bad calls. You know, right. sometimes I see people post like, "Oh, I got off the phone with this guy for twenty minutes," or "Oh, my Karen called again." And and you know what? I love these type of calls. And maybe I'm just weird like that, but I love because it just you know I, I've been doing judo for about close to twenty years now, and you know, and I always love sparring, and I feel it's verbal judo. 24 seven. I'm, I'm here on the phone. I'm listening. And, you know, one of the things I learned how to do is how to use logic. Logic is so important because they're like, Oh, da, da, da. the officer did this and he did that. And he was unfair. I'm like, well, is your, do you have a bunch of trash in front of your house? Yeah, but I'm like, oh, there you go. Look, clean up the trash and you'll be fine. Right. Okay. Why well, need more time? I'm like, well, how much time do you need? Okay. I'm going to send you an email. Just respond to me whether you agree at this time. And, you know, one of the things I saw in the city of Anaheim, by the way, they have an actual online request for an extension form, which is, I was like, yes. And see it. Um, and, cool. and they actually have to sign it and it has to get approved by a supervisor. And then it gets sent out back to them that they're all in agreement and it gets documented. So okay, that is kind of cool. I've never right? had a program like that. Yeah. And then they, you do it online, asking for the extension online and, I thought that was pretty innovative, but you do get those stories where people need that extension. They need, um, they need more time. And for, I've seen code officers that say, no, it's, you know, I gave them two weeks already. I'm like, okay, another week's not going to kill us. It's not going to, the house isn't going to fall apart. I mean, there's certain things that, you know, I, I'm zero tolerance on, like, for example, the house full of roaches or mold. I mean, I'm, or, or, you know, the, uh, the uh, flop houses, I'm zero tolerance on those and you know, grow houses. I'm like, no, they need to get remedied ASAP. Mm -hmm. There's no, uh, the only time I fold is if the uh, property owner probably didn't know about it. And then I'll work with the property owner. But if it's somebody just blatantly uh, just being bad, uh, I, I'm very, I'm not going to say zero tolerance, but I'm very minimal tolerance sure. on, on those folks. And sometimes in, in code enforcement, we also have to know how to, how far to go. 
because sometimes we have to spar a little bit like you know pitter patter and sometimes you go you hit the mattresses and that's what you got to do right in code enforcement i I mean i'm pretty sure us as code enforcement we all have great war stories right war stories beautiful stories code enforcement's a wonderful world yeah so what's what's so in code enforcement right now what's your what's your you know, I, I I never really liked the hoarding stuff, but I always used to love the marijuana girls. I don't know why. And, you know, I got to a point in, in my career where I would go in and it was super sticky. I'm like, wow, this must be some good stuff. Right. I, I don't smoke. I don't smoke pot, but I'm I was always like, wow. Like, this like come out. When I'm leaving. Something's yeah. got to be. <laughs> yeah. So we have Jennifer on the line. She does this great. Um, she does this great. uh, uh code enforcement collaboration in California, we we're, we have a meeting with a lot of agencies and we discuss different ways to enforce mar- cannabis uh, regulations. So it's, it's a good one. And I know she puts it out on Facebook. Um, let me see, me too, Pete. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, see, there you go. Look, have somebody in agreement, somebody just loves the whole cannabis thing. There you go. Yeah, and 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 it's it's one of those things where it's such a process and we ref- we got to a point where we find it so well that they didn't want to do business in the city I was working in anymore. I mean, we made it so difficult for them to come back. It, it, but then again, they made the house so hazardous that we made them bring it back up to full compliance. And, you know, it's costly when you tear up a house. And the first time I learned about cannabis was going to Colorado to visit the, uh, the Colorado Casio board. And we learned, you know, I was, I was out there. I was excited. I'm like, yeah, I get to learn about all these illegal dispensaries. They're like illegal dispensaries. Are at least are your problems. Worry about the black market, uh, residential girls. They, right. they are obliterating the housing market. And I did not know that. Yeah. You know, and that's something in Colorado, you maybe you can, uh, touch upon how often do you see these things? You know, my, in my local municipality, we don't have a whole lot of issue with um, illegal grows. We're kind of more in the world of hemp right now. Um, we have a lot of individuals that are coming here to uh, quote unquote, make our country or excuse me, our state, the hemp capital of the world. Um, so it's, it's really shifting our mindset into those regulation regulations, still being able to use some of the marijuana regulations. But as you know, Pete, it's a whole different world when we're talking hemp at this point. Um, so right now that's something that we're in my municipality, we're working on creating, um, regulations for and same thing it's not necessarily to keep them out of our out of our town or out of our state but it's to make sure that whatever they're doing inside the confines of those walls is safe first and foremost it's safe for our community it's safe for the patrons coming into our community Um, it's safe for the environment the air so on and so forth so yeah that's what we're focused on right now in the in that realm anyway that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, there's so that that's my thing. So what's your thing? Uh, I, I love the whole cannabis grows. Uh, what's your thing? You know, I love it all. I, I, it's really a matter of, of bringing quality of life. So my motto, my mantra, my everything is bringing, enhancing and creating, maintaining quality of life and safety standards within the community. Um, we do this by providing competent, effective resources, communication. Um, so for me, I'm more of a whole person. So yes, I have my my codes that I tend to um, hold on to and, and uh, enforce differently or whatever have you. But ultimately, I'm in the sense of I want to build you the house. You know, I want to build you that, that frame. Um, now, how you just choose to 
put furniture in it, that's on you. But I want to build you that house ultimately. Um, so that's, I look at code enforcement in a little bit more of a broad spectrum of, of bringing a sense of kindness to individuals where um, maybe they've dealt with previous code enforcement officers that are mean or grumpy or um, come on with a heavy handed um, way of enforcing. And that's just not me. That's not what I want to promote. Um, so if, like I said, for me, it's, it's an all around um, bringing that customer service and um, empathy and understanding to what we do. I used to be told all the time that you can't be sorry for people. You can be empathetic of, of their situation and what they're going through. But in all reality, yes, you can. You can be sorry. You can be empathetic. You can be so many things and still be able to do your job um, and give them competent, effective resources for them to hopefully be able to gain a better quality of life for themselves, not create an issue for the neighbors so that neighbors have a better quality of life. Um, but I just think it's such a bigger picture. You know, when, when, you know, Cecilia said it's a human element of code enforcement and, and, you know, and, and it kind of goes to the garage conversion. Uh, and I'll tell you in California, we can now convert garages into accessory dwelling units or junior dwelling, junior uh, dwelling units. Um, and, you know, back back then, you had Junior or Uncle Uncle Rico li living in the in the garage, you know, and and you go out there and you tell them because you got a complaint of people coming in and out of the garage or somebody saw a bed. You go out there, you knock and like, you know, um, there's a there's a level of, uh, you know, you kind of understand why they're living in the garage. Yeah, but the code says they can't live in the garage. There's lack of egress. Sometimes there's a water heater inside the garage. There's, you know, no windows, uh, no smoke detectors. I mean, it's just sometimes it's just a bad place, right. bad place to be. And they're like, well, if, if you kick them out, they're going to be homeless. I'm like, well, why can't you just live in your house? <laughs> you know, so, and they're like, well, oh, no, it's because, you know, we don't want them in the house. I'm like, well. You just can't have them in the garage. It's not very sanitary or it's not a habitable space. They need to be inside the house or, you know, you make arrangements for them. So I'm going to give you X amount of time to uh, relocate them, you know, given that now we know that, you know, that they're in there. They need, you know, expedite the process. You know, you don't need to start the demolition right away, but you may need to relocate them ASAP. Mm -hmm. You know, make them go inside or, you know, inside the house or find, you know, uh, other living arrangements and but a lot of times it's 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 not whether you know being compassionate some people just want that uh, want they they just it's just more what's that word it's beneficial to them sure you know, they're collecting the rent in the garage or you know storing uh 10 vehicles in the uh in in the front yard it's not it's just more convenient for them versus right. saying hey why don't you just register your vehicles and park them on the street Right. I, you know, instead of like storing like the uh, 85 Corolla in the driveway that they took a uh, prom date on with, just keeping it for a member. <laughs> so it happens. Oh, it and, does. you know, so let me see. So we have a couple, we have a couple comments. Let's, let's, uh, let's go back. And so we have, uh, let me see, Cecilia Muela talked about uh, Jennifer's cannabis meetings are a great way to stay and then know about the opportunity for information sharing uh, for other jurisdictions. And yeah, that is a great, uh, you know, code officials, uh, you know, um, talk to uh, Jennifer and she will um, put you in touch and have you be part of those meetings. To, I mean, it's great. It's for uh, code enforcement personnel uh, to talk about strategy and, and things like that. It's, it's a great topic. 
And I always say, um, you, we really have to, uh, we really have to be careful with those marijuana grows because sometimes there's criminal elements. So it's always good uh, to work with law enforcement when going out there. I don't say go solo. Don't be a cowboy. In code enforcement, we don't carry guns. Some of us don't carry vests. So I, I really don't recommend anybody to start engaging with cartels or gang members out there. You know, and there's a whole different code for gangs and cartels that down the road we're going to be discussing in regards to officer safety. And that's something that we're working on on the uh, Standards and Codes Academy um, a portion of uh, what we're doing. And I'll talk about a little bit about the Standards and Codes in, in a bit. Um, and then so we have another comment. Uh, a little bit of transparency. I once lived in an RV trailer. Look at Ceci. For shame. <laughs> I was about four and it was a time when my parents couldn't afford. Fast forward today, I can recognize the hazards, but I empathize because uh, I get it. Show sense of community means um, dot, dot, dot. So, you know, and, and, and I'll out myself too. You know, I yeah, back when I was uh, like, 10 years old, uh, you know, we trying to make ends meet and we sold oranges and, you know, as a 10 year old boy, I was selling oranges, you know, well, I didn't, I didn't hang out by the freeway off ramp, but I did, uh, I did go in the neighborhood with uh, bags of oranges and, you know, sold oranges here and there. So I don't know where my parents got oranges. I just know we put them in bags and sold them, uh, but that was a way to kind of make ends meet and stuff like that. So, yeah. And, and coming from humble, um, from humble upbringings for a lot of code enforcement brings in their benefit because they understand that what the other people are going through. Right. It, it's really important to, to know, you know, I've had senior citizens come to my office and say, I can't sleep. I can't eat because of what's going on with the city. And I always tell them it's, it's not about, it's not about that. You know, what I need you to do is I it, just imagine eating a whole pizza and I'm telling you, you have to eat the whole thing but you don't have to eat all of it today. You know, you can eat a slice today, you can eat a slice tomorrow, and it doesn't become overwhelming for them. And I said, look, I'm not here, I'm here to help you and how we can get resolutions. If I have to refer them to a special seniors program or a, a city loan uh, program or get them some resources, a local church, that's what we have to do as code officials. We we have to think outside the box, right? you know, and. You know, now, um, for those that don't know, I'm in the private sector and the, my box just got bigger. And, you know, in 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 the in the code enforcement world, you have to think outside the box, but stay within your box, which is and, and you know, it's because you can't reach out to, you know, the county and say, hey, county, come. Can you do a task force? Because you have to ask permission and all this. And and it's 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 um, it's hard. It's hard, but at the end of the day, we, we have to make sure we're compassionate and we're empathetic with people. Absolutely. I think that's the most important um, thing I would like to get across is, yes, there's certain ways we can do our job or tools that we can use, um, but ultimately, common sense, respect, leaving people with their dignity intact. It's their home. It's their property. Um, those are the most important things. Listening, because that day old adage um, that I'll say, and you'll hear me say hundreds and hundreds of times, but uh, you never know what someone else is going through. So be kind. Um, there's no reason not to be kind. None. Yeah, I mean, uh, one of the things I used to tell staff was when when you go out and talk to these people, you have to 
imagine they were my parents mm-hmm. and they were going to tell me about their experience with you. Mm-hmm. That's what I want. You know, and, and, you know, of course I still get the calls like, Oh, your officer was rude. Your officer did this. And it's, and nowadays it's even worse because they'll post it on social media. Right. And all of a sudden I got like 5,000 comments on, um, you know, like my officer asked me to turn, you know, cut my sunflowers that were on the corner blocking uh, line of sight issues. <laughs> so, and, and all of a sudden we're the bad guys because we're telling people to cut down sunflowers. How dare us? So, and it happens. And, you know, social media is not sometimes not the best friend of a code enforcement officer. And just like the regular media, sometimes uh, it can get skewed a different way. Uh, I've been a victim of it where, you know, somebody called me, uh, said I use doom tactics. <laughs> and it, I was like, wow, I, the lady actually gave me a cup of coffee. And <laughs> I don't know how to use doom tactics. And not only that, but I had another person which was totally left out of the article. But, you know, and, 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 it, and at the end of the day, there's, you know, two sides to every story. And I, I post a lot on LinkedIn, different code enforcement stories daily. And the reason I do that is there has to be some sort of awareness of what things are doing. Sometimes I post positive stories. Sometimes they're negative stories, but they're stories and they all have some merit to them. You know, I, I think the last biggie was the surf, uh, the surfside uh, collapse. And I mean, that's, that's a hard, uh, you know, that's sad to see, I mean, and, you know, still under investigation, but there's a lot of factors on what coulda, shoulda needed to be done. And, you know, until that comes out, I mean, everybody to an extent has to bear some sort of responsibility. You know, when we see, you know, people are getting fined excessively in Florida and, and you read some of the statutes, like, you know, you read some of these things and you're like, Hey, did the person, did the officer ever go and knock on the door? Right. You have to ask these questions, you know, and if they did, did the person go and tell them to go pound sand? And sometimes people will just fight you on principle. And, you know, sometimes you can't change their mind and you start citing them daily. And, and when it gets high enough, they'll contact the media. We had a hoarder that uh, contacted the media were like, oh, I have a mental illness. I'm like, guy, we've been dealing with you for 20 years. <laughs> I mean, you know, now you're contacting the news and it becomes a story. And it's, as as code enforcement officers, like you said, we have to be empathetic. We have to be, you know, we have to give them their dignity because it is their home. They work hard for those homes and, you know, they're, they're maintaining them to the best of their abilities. At the end of the day, we have a job to do bringing them in compliance. Yeah. So uh, is there any, any special uh, customer service tips that you would uh, say that we should always practice out there? I'll just keep those all in my belt. No, I, I joke all the time. You know, I say to people, we do what we do with the smiles on our face and the words coming out of our mouths versus the guns and the badges on our belts. Um, and I think that there's merit to that. By no means do I have I, my sense of respect for local law enforcement as I work in a police department is huge. Um, but what we can accomplish just with that compassion, listening um, and understanding is really going to be key to everything. So that'll always be my platform here. Um, kindness, respect, compassion, you know, really having that code or excuse me, that customer service approach to it. Um, Once you figure out what the problem is, and typically you do that by listening, um, you have a better sense of how you are able to provide those resources to gain compliance and bring whatever it is into compliance, create quality of life. 
many, many a tools usually. Yeah. Right. But, you know, it, it was funny. I had a, uh, a coworker one time that says, hey, you have you have two of these, two of these and one of these. There's a reason why you need to do these twice as much. Be, like be alert that. and listen, you know, do that twice as much as doing this because this will get you in trouble. I like that this doesn't get you in trouble as much as this does, which is 100 percent true. Absolutely is. You know, let me see. So we have Mr. Brooke Klein said, what did he say? Uh, so glad I stumbled across this this morning. I am a month and new CEO and I'm excited to tune in more of these live videos. Great info. So thank you, Brooke. Let me say, is it Brooke? Yes. We're excited right. to have you on with us. That's awesome. Yes. You know, and, and one of the reasons we're doing this um, code 101, we have a lot of officers. When we really look at the, at the market, we look at uh, we look at everybody is there's a lot of people under uh, five years of experience in code enforcement and really never have a lot of training. And and that ha like I said, that happens because you're given a code book, you're giving a uniform and, you know, weeks worth of training and you're out in the field and, you know, and you, you really, really don't know what you're doing until you have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, the first time I wrote a, a administrative citation, I'm like, oh, man, how do I do this? So I had to look at a template from somebody else. And I don't even know if they did that right, because I was never really formally taught to do that or interpret a code or or even know that the building code um, existed. So. Right. And so, so some of us like, for example, you work out of a police department. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I don't you know, I'm not I'm going to assume I don't like assuming because there's always that you make a. A out of you and me, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't assume that most uh, law enforcement officers walk around with the municipal code in their back pocket, you know, so, or, or that even know how to use the municipal code or the building code. And right. and but they, you know, what? Once they learn how to use code enforcement effectively, guess what? You're their best friend, right? Because you can do things that they can't. They just right. you have the ability to say, hey, hmm. This, you know, you just have a lot of tools. I don't want to give our industry secrets here in uh, right? uh, social media, but it's more than just the weed police. <laughs> yes, you know, and and, and you know, it, it's funny because I always, you know, I always kind of go comment on how, what it is that we do, and it's we're all over the place. When I teach a marketing class, I go, I want every table to give me ten things that they do that's unique. And, and we play a game and by the end of the session, we have 50 different duties that code enforcement officers do, whether it's uh, fat oils, grease, stormwater, massage enforcement, business license enforcement, planning, conditional use permits, building, abatement, uh, parking enforcement, animal control. I mean, there's so many levels of things that we do and people don't realize Wow, these guys do a lot, and you know, we, you and I, were on the uh, Joan Kling uh, program. You know, that's how we kind of ended up uh, saying, "Hey, this is a good platform. Let's 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 do this full time." So, you know, it's uh, it's it's one of those things that we we are the Swiss Army knife of every jurisdiction, and some people don't really appreciate a good Swiss Army knife. You know, you have it. Yeah, cool. I have a Swiss Army knife, but if you don't know how to use it and you don't use it, it's just, you know, it's one of, it's one of those things that you just have in, in your possession and really don't know it. And, 
you know, I, I tend to be of a mindset when I buy that cool stereo and I get that big remote with a million buttons on it. You know, most people only use the up and down channel button and the up and down volume button and maybe right. the arrows, but there's a million buttons on there and they all have a function. And guess what? We have a function as well. We have a million functions. And if you use us properly, we really, really know uh, how to do things. Yes, indeed. When they figure it out, they're like, yes, this is awesome. Yeah. We have so, somebody to do all the other stuff. Right? Yeah. So one of the things that we're, we are going to touch here on this program, uh, Rachel, hey, we have Renee on there. Good morning, Renee. It's, it's officer safety. We're, we're really going to touch on officer safety. Um, and so I'm going to do a shameless plug. So we have a... Um, October, I know, July 29th, we have an officer safety uh, session with three, three classes. And um, it's, it's the Standards and Codes Academy, which I'm a part of, uh, we're, we're gonna be working with the FBI and talking about the human trafficking element. And as code enforcement, what, what we see out in the field, and I had the privilege to teach with the FBI uh, before and I actually taught the FBI on code enforcement policies and procedures, which they were really amazed that we can do some of the stuff that we can do. And so we become a resource for them and they're happy to share their resources with us. And we're going to be sharing the resources with the, with code officers throughout the United States. So um, that's one of them. The other one in here, so we see they put a link in. There's the event on the uh, chat, uh, Standards and Codes Academy featured event. If anybody wants to sign in, uh, we had the stickers made, so you can put them on your uh, put them on your uh, clipboard. You know, just to remind you to just be kind, rewind, make it, make sure you come home safe. And for those that see me, will see me at Ace. I will be handing out these nice, cool. Uh, pins. I don't know if they can. Let me see if the zoom button works. Uh, I don't think it works. But those are nice little lapel pens for the Standards and Codes Academy. The other class that that's going to be uh, going on is the uh, the class for the autism awareness. Sometimes we, as uh, code enforcement officers, we go to people's homes and we might encounter somebody with uh, uh, mental disability where they might not have uh, very high social skills. And sometimes we, we may walk in a yard and you know somebody might be following us really close and we might overreact. There's certain things that signs and things that we should do at. We have Gary Whiteson, he was on Dr. Oz. He's gonna be uh, talking about the, uh, you know, what to watch out for, what officers can do to better prepare themselves when visiting. Um, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I think we're going to um, talk about some of the stickers that people have that we can hand out um, to put on, on your door, on your window to help identify that there's somebody with a mental disability in the home and those kind of things. And just be more aware. And the final one is uh, animal uh, awareness, mm -hmm. um, signs of uh, when a dog or, you know, any other animal could be potentially uh, hazardous. A lot of times we go... You know, we walk in fences and we really don't know when we knock on the door, there could be a dog coming out of it. I've been bitten by a dog before. Granted, it was a little dog. Uh, first time I'm going to tell you guys a quick story because I love stories. Um, I had a code enforcement, uh, my one of the senior code officials um, back in my first jurisdiction would yell at the dogs, you stay there, stop, 
get out of here. And the dogs would literally stop and listen to her. And, and to me, it was the most amazing thing. You see a big pit bull rah, 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 and coming towards, towards us. You stay there. You stop. I said, stop. And, she, and the dog was like, <laughs> and the dog wouldn't know what to do. And, and, and it was pretty fun. So the dog I, yeller. She's not the dog whisperer, but she's the dog yeller. Well, you know what? The, the dog listened. That's all. You know, That's awesome. I, I, I'm scared. You know what? I'm doing this as long as I do. I'm still scared of dogs. You know, I, I you know, I don't know. I can't even imagine what a mailman goes through on a daily basis, but I am still definitely uh, afraid of uh, of dogs. So, you know, let me see. Some Gary, he was National Officer Safety and First Responder Trainer. Yes, uh, Kevin Hurst is the person uh, also teaching the uh, the animal safety course, and he is a national uh, uh, first responder trainer as well. He teaches a lot of law enforcement academies on the importance of animal safety, and then we also have um, we also have uh, the FBI. It's one of the officers that. Uh, one of the field agents that's going to be teaching with us, the Standard Codes Academy. So that's going to be really exciting. It's um, it's at a low price of ninety nine dollars for three sessions, uh, ICC uh, accredited uh, courses. Um, if this is successful, we're going to have a, additional uh, sessions with other other jurisdictions. We're already working on putting those together. Um, gang awareness, uh, you know, things with cartels. Um, you know, during uh. Uh, my time as a code officer, I've dealt with a couple cartels here and there. Um, you know, it was, it's, they're no joke, nor laughing matter, and they're um, it's scary. Uh, so, um, but yeah, that, that, um, that is my shameless plug for the Standards and Codes Academy. We're so and, excited. Can't wait for that day. July 29th. Yeah, July 29th, yes. And starts at uh, 7, uh, 7 Pacific, and I believe it's... Uh, not, well, you're eight, eight mountain, eight, nine, uh, central and 10 o'clock, uh, Eastern time. So, so we're covering everywhere. We got people signed up from coast to coast, which is awesome. And we love the camaraderie that, that we do with training. I mean, we've taught probably almost every state cumulative with the five of us, which is myself, Cecilia Muela, uh, Kelvin Bean, Greg Smith and Marcus Kellum. And, you know, we, we got together and said, hey, well, how do we fulfill the needs for training uh, nationally? And that's what we did. And we're, we're doing what we do. Something you're so proud of, Pete. How do five people get together? Five top individuals in their industry get together and decide that they're going to do this. I mean, this is yeah. magic. This the is same magic. reason why you're here today, Rachel. You know what? We, we saw something in each other and decided to join, you know, collaborate on projects. And, you know, we, that's what we did. And, you we know, know, I am grateful. And I know the rest of the, the code enforcement community is grateful to Standards and Codes Academy. Can't wait to see all of the good stuff that's going to come out and that already, already has come out. Awesome. Thank you. I mean, there's still more to go. I mean, in, in the last year, we've done some pretty amazing training. Um, yeah. You know, we're uh, teeing up our live conference. I mean, it, we're a lot of stuff. We're working with a lot of um national associations to, to make it better and uh, make sure we, we send the same message. We understand that every jurisdiction is so different. We, we totally understand. Let me see. Well, Pete said our passion for the profession. Oh, a little, little heart emoji. <laughs> 
So, um, so grateful. By the way, Cecilia, congratulations. Cecilia is now the new assistant chief building official for the city of Santa Rosa. And, and the uh, Mr. Greg Smith, he is a new senior uh, housing lead worker. Congratulations for Duluth uh, Fire Department. Congratulations. Um, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, positivity and hard work really pays off for those two. I'm so proud of them. I couldn't be any prouder. And uh, happy belated birthday to you, Rachel. Awesome. Um, yes, you're not really a social media person, but guess what? We found out it was your birthday. So congratulations. Thank you. Let me see. What are, let me see. Thank you kindly. And let me see. And congratulations to seeing Greg. Yeah, these, these two hit it hard. I'm telling you, like, these guys. And, you know, one thing I want to share about Greg you know, I, I couldn't imagine, I've never been laid off, you know, and, and that's one of those things where, you know, I, I don't know how hard you, you, it's uncertainty is horrible for everybody. You know, it's, 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 it's hard. And Greg did it with, you know, with, uh, I had to do that. So, uh, he, he did it with, you know, very, he was still out there teaching. He was still out there, um, you know, promoting code enforcement with uncertainty. And I, I commend them for that. I, you know, I would be balled up in a, you know, in a corner crying like, Oh, what was me? What happened? What did I do? But it is what it is. And he just moved forward. And like Cecilia says, he pivots. And um, so also um, I want to say um, in two weeks, we're not going to be on the show in two weeks, uh, two weeks. We are going to be on the, weeks with two weeks where we're going to be in two weeks <laughs> coffee with girlfriends so you hopefully you'll be joining us on that side with cc and myself and pete um be talking an awesome topic for coffee with my girlfriends can't wait yeah i, I tend not to be on that one i, I let uh, let you guys if you guys need a bash on a on a fella now i'm i'm your huckleberry if uh if you guys uh, need a male input i have it but all in all you you guys do a great job i love the way uh, women empower other women. It's, it's the awesome, it's just awesome. It you know, then we have Greg here. He says, yeah, great support from your friends and family. Uh, thank you. And then Cecilia is saying coffee with my girlfriends. Yeah. It's, it, it was, uh, for those that don't know what coffee with my girlfriends is, um, last year, this year we had our first, um, uh, women leadership and uh, women leaders and code enforcement symposium. You had uh, several national speakers. It was a great event. You know, a lot of energy, a lot of uh, a lot of real talk among uh, females and males in in that group. Um, out of that, a lot of the females and groups decided, hey, we just can't do it once a year, or you know, it needs to be a constant thing to empower each other and to. And, and to support each other as as women and as professionals. And I think you guys have been doing a killing it. Uh, next one's on July 30th at 9 a.m., which is the same time as our show. So Rachel uh, said her priority is empowering other women. And uh, so we're going to we're, we're going to be there on that day. Um, there's a link on the um, on, on the Facebook uh, page on uh, Code Enforcement Experts. Awesome. If you're on that page, uh, feel free to go on there. Um, and it's just, it's just great stuff. I mean, I, I can't tell you. For those that aren't dialed in code enforcement, we are a tight-knit community. Uh, we want you to participate. We want you to be engaged. 
the ACE conference is coming in October. Please, uh, please join us there. The ICC uh, conference will be in also, I believe, in October or September. September. That it's in sense. September. That's going to be in Pittsburgh. Um, and for ACE, it's going to be in Glendale, Arizona. So, and, you know, if you see me there, I'll give you one of these neat pins. You just got to remind me because I stash them away for my favorite people. So if you're listening to this thing, you're my favorite people. So I will give you a nice pin that you can sport uh, proudly on your lapel. So, Rock on, but, Pete. That's but, awesome. Thank you. Well, Rachel, thank you for have, having me be your co-host. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for being here. Thank you, everybody, for our first ever Code Concepts. We're so excited to have you back next time, uh, have another topic. And then, as Pete said, any questions, comments, anything, we want to hear it all. So thank you so much for joining us this morning. Bye.